Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Marty Plum, and I am your host of a pen and a napkin podcast, the weekly coaching clinic you can carry around with you in your pocket. Welcome to episode number 182, and I am very excited to have on Travis Steele, the men's basketball coach of my at Miami of Ohio in Oxford, Ohio, not Oxford, England or anything like that, but uh, Oxford, Ohio. I'm really excited to have Coach on. Uh, we had a little bit of a delay uh, this week, so we flipped around the coaching staff with our interview podcast this week, but uh, better late than never. So excited to have Travis on here. But before we get to Coach Steele, we, of course, want to thank our founding sponsor, Cossack Chiropractic, located at 144th and Maple here in Omaha. Coaches, if you or any of your athletes have any balanced neck or spinal issues, go see Dr. Kevin or Dr. Heidi. I can attest. Went down there a couple of weeks ago, having troubles with my shoulder. Dr. Kevin did a little work, feeling so much better. So uh, I'm not only a promoter, but I'm also a customer, and, and they do a great job. Follow us on Twitter, at a pen and a napkin. We try to put out daily coaching tidbits on the Twitter handle, so be sure to follow us there. If you're listening, go to iTunes, Apple, whatever you got to go to, download, rate, review, give us five stars, subscribe. The more that we get of those good things, the more people will take a look at a pen and a napkin, because when they search co- uh, coaching basketball podcasts, a pen and a napkin comes up higher. So... If you have any questions, comments, suggestions, or ideas, email me, a pen and a napkin at gmail.com. Go check out a pen and a napkin.com. It's a really good coaching website with a lot of really, really good things on there. That's enough of me talking. Travis Steele, head men's basketball coach at Miami of Ohio. Coach, how are you doing this morning? Thrilled to have you on. I'm thrilled to be on here, Marty. I, I really am honored to be on here. I listen to your podcast and and I love what you've done over the years, uh, just growing the game. So, um, but, uh, but yeah, morning's been great. We had a workout this morning here and, mm-hmm. uh, just trying to get better. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We, we, I'm just coming back from the gym as well. So, uh, uh, we are, we are kindred spirits in that regard. So, uh, I know your time's limited here. I want to, uh, uh, you know, be respectful of that, but also want to cover as much with you as we can here. So if, if folks want to know about Coach Steele's kind of biography, uh, there's stuff on the Miami of Ohio website, and you can kind of check that out. So we're going to kind of skip that part of it, Coach. Um, and, and and let's dive into just kind of, you know, we're just going to kind of walk through some things here. Uh, you know, I thought it was interesting. Uh, again, kind of one of the things that you and I have in common is we started out really, really young in the coaching uh, profession. You were in college, and you were uh, an assistant coach at Ben Davis High School, and you weren't much older than the players that you were coaching. Kind of tell us about that, and and you know how soon you wanted to be a coach, or when did you know you wanted to be a coach, and kind of what that experience was being a coach that was only a, a year or two older than the players that he was helping out with. Yeah, you know, I was I was blessed to get an opportunity there at, at Ben Davis High School with uh, with, a, with a legendary coach there in Indiana, Steve Whitty, um, who's won several state titles. And Ben Davis was a premier program in the state, and uh, and he, he offered me a position on staff, and I, I took it real quick before he could take it back. <laughs> um, and you know, it just gave me an opportunity. I knew I always wanted to coach. Mm-hmm. Listen, my brother. Is, is is a coach he's he's about 10 years older than i am and in a lot of ways i was his shadow kind of growing up whether he'd be coaching at north carolina state university or or at butler or wherever you know i'd kind of always kind of be around him and and uh, just love basketball have a great love for the game and um 
I mean, it, it was, you, you, you talked about the challenge was, Hey, listen, I was one year older <laughs> than the guys that I was coaching. So it was funny. Uh, Steve Woody told me, he said, Hey, listen, no matter what your age is, you know, if, if you're organized and you work hard, you'll immediately get the respect of the players. Uh-huh. Right. And, and, uh, and that's kind of what I, you know, what I did try to do early, uh, was just be super organized. I really kind of, my niche kind of became the player development uh, area. It was a, it was a way for me to uh, to really spend time with those guys, those young men, and uh, and help them grow, right? And yeah. I think they started to see how invested I was in them, and uh, and that kind of got their respect. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that's that's a great way to put it. That if if you uh, kind of put yourself in that mindset, that makes your job easier and uh it was probably easier for you to to gain the respect of those kids because you came in handling it the right way and 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 that was your mindset from the get-go it sounds like absolutely man i just i I thought man what a great opportunity for me Uh at that age you know to be in a, a really really good program and i just said man how would if i'm them why would I listen to this, this guy that's one year older than me? And I said, man, I got to be, you know, so I would always come out with a, with a written workout all typed up. Yep. You know, every workout that I would have would be typed up. We tracked everything. We'd measure every shot. We'd measure every every rep that we did. And I think those guys would see the growth and they were like, dang, hey, this guy's really organized and has a process mm-hmm. of how he's doing things. And and I think all players, they crave, right? They crave um, organization, discipline, uh, accountability. They want those things. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I learned that obviously at a very young age there at Ben Davis. Yeah. So you uh, you're you're really fortunate. You, you hit uh, the, you didn't skip any rungs of the ladder, Travis. As I, as I researched your career, I mean, uh, volunteer to a GA to a video coordinator, community college assistant, all the way up to you know, uh, you finally got to associate head coach before you you became a head coach. Uh, you know, how beneficial was that for your long term development? to hit so many different, and I'm going to use air quotes here, Coach, it hits so many different responsibilities or, or jobs uh, along the way. How, how did that you know, help broaden your, your, your skill set and, and, and widen your toolbox? Yeah, I think it, it just shows you, you know, as you kind of go through your career, your career path, like everything's important. You know, like how you do anything is how you do everything. And, you know, whether it is how you do your video, how you how you make sure that the bus is going to be there on time. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. like um, just to take it to your to your road game, I think all those things are extremely important. And I've had a view from all those different angles. Mm-hmm. Right. I didn't really ever skip any steps along the way, um, whether it was a volunteer, video coordinator, GA, I've been everything. <laughs> um, I've had all different responsibilities, and I just think it gives you a different viewpoint of things. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's like, man, do, you know, Fad Mata you know, told me this a, a long time ago. He said, hey, man, there's two different ways to kind of approach this career. Either you're out selling yourself, uh, meeting other coaches constantly and, and trying to promote yourself a little bit or you can just do a great job where you're at mm-hmm. and just and, and do it and then you gain more responsibilities yeah you can chew off a little bit more and that was kind of the process that was kind of the route that i decided to take and um 
he was a great example of that himself. And, and, uh, when I was with a GA form at Ohio state and, and, uh, you know, just, just work hard. And then, and then hopefully I can add responsibilities that I'll go on. That's kind of how I grew my career. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, speaking of some of the, the guys that you have had a chance to work with, I mean, you've, you've, uh, really, uh, been fortunate to work with some really, really tremendous coaches. You, you, you mentioned, uh, you know, Coach Mata. Is there anything else you want to add on there with with Coach Mata and, and what you learned from him? Yeah, you know, number one, he's he's one of the best human beings I've ever been around. Uh, he's a great coach, phenomenal. But he, you know, just his positivity, mm-hmm. um, his attention to detail uh, in teaching, man. I, you take things from everybody that you're around, right? And and uh, and I've kept like a, a log, like a little. It's almost like a Microsoft Word. Now that's had to transform over the years because the updated <laughs> Microsoft Word started right? out on a floppy disk, and yeah, that, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but now, you know, again, you take things away from each guy, and but that you know, Coach Mata is his ability uh, to give guys confidence is unbelievable. I mean, it just is, whether it's staff members, whether it's uh, players, he just knows how to build people up. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, he has an elite ability to do that. And that's it's one of the reasons why he's been at such a great career and obviously in coaching. Yep. Kelvin Sampson. Man, he uh, just, he, he, he understands the motivation piece. He understands he can get guys to play harder than anybody in the country. I mean, you look at what he's done there at Houston. <laughs> I mean, he, he's, you know, revived that program. It's probably uh-huh. the right word. Um, yeah. You know, and uh, he's just a tremendous coach. I mean, but he, he pushes his guys beyond where he th- where they think they can go. Uh-huh. And, and he can do that because he's got incredible relationships with them. You know, he, he, they know that he cares about them. And uh, you, know, you look at how they rebound the ball. I mean, how they defend. I mean, it's just it's, a he, he's a identity. tremendous coach. Yeah. Clear identity. Yeah. And, and I think that's that was the thing when my two years there at Indiana with him, uh, man, it's just like you knew exactly what you were getting with a Kelvin Sampson team, <laughs> yeah. you know, um, and it wasn't changing. It doesn't change year to year. New guys come in. Guess what? It's still who, who they are, you know, and uh, smash mouth basketball going to be tougher than you going to play hard. Um, he, uh, he's a, he's a great coach. Yeah. If Kelvin Sampson was a foot football coach, do you think he'd still be running the wishbone triple option? <laughs> You know what? He probably would. <laughs> he probably would. <laughs> you know, he's he's incredible, man. But I, but I do think, like, right, like it's, he is a tremendous. His time in the NBA, yeah, I think really, uh, really helped him. It, yeah, I, I, I'm telling you, like, offensively, just to continue to see how he's evolved mm-hmm. uh, during you know, from when I was with him in Indiana, from when he's with the Bucks, with the Rockets, to now, obviously, uh, with Houston. Man, it's been fun to watch, and uh, he's always. He's always cutting edge, and uh, he's always kind of on the up and up as far as you know, having being really, uh, really good with X's and O's. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, Chris Mack. Chris, uh, Coach Mack was his organization. You know, like I, he, uh, another guy, man. Just he, 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 if you didn't know he was that uh, head coach at Louisville or Xavier, man, you would. He's like your next door neighbor. Yeah, I agree. He's just a 
great dude. I mean, just a normal guy, treats people well, um, he's super organized. I mean, he probably has his next five years of his life planned out um, <laughs> day to day. But, you know, but again, that organization from whether everything was very systematic was whether it was how we developed our players recruiting camp scheduling how we in, in, implemented our offense defense everything was just ultra ultra organized and then i thought he had a great feel for when you know what we were a do what we do programming we didn't really change game to game mm-hmm. but he had a good sense of when to change a few things mm-hmm. <laughs> he really did and whether that was in a game or practice he has a really good feel for people yeah how about this john gross guy you know, I don't claim them all the time. Yeah. Yeah. We got different last names. We got the same mom, uh, different dads. Uh, you know, he, uh, I've learned a ton from him, man. Like he, uh, obviously I've been around him my whole life and, uh, been very blessed to have him in my life. And listen, he's a great coach. He's a great recruiter. He's just relentless. I mean, he is relentless in his approach and, um, cares about people, man. At the end of the day, um, just really, really cares. And uh, I think that shows just in, in the way and how he coaches his team and, and the amount of success that he's had, obviously, at Ohio U and Illinois now, now Akron. Yeah. Now I got to face him, though, every year, Marty, a couple times. Yeah. <laughs> so that's hard on my mom, just so you know. <laughs> <laughs> Make, makes Thanksgiving more interesting. <laughs> it definitely does. <laughs> a pen and a napkin university videos are just another way that a pen and a napkin can help you become a better coach. Our university video library is constantly expanding with topics ranging from interviewing for a job to full court defense to 25 universal truths about coaching. Our university videos will help you round out your skill set as a coach and help you hone your craft. Videos are $10 a piece with bundling options available. To order, you can DM me on Twitter, send me an email at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com or order from our website, a pen and a napkin.com. Be sure to check out the a pen and a napkin video library. You, uh, you know, all things considered, on on a on a relative scale, uh, you you moved over those last eighteen inches pretty young. You're about thirty six, thirty seven years old when you uh, took over as as the head coach there at at Xavier. Uh, you know, in in those four years. You know what were some of the the big lessons, the big things you learned uh, being a a head coach at at you know again relatively speaking at the Division One level at a, at a young age uh, that yeah. that you feel like you're going to take with you uh, the rest of your career. Yeah, I'd say I'd say a couple things. I'd say number one, man, you gotta uh, you gotta hold everybody accountable. And I think, you know, it's a, you're in a much different position when you become the head coach, right? You're basically the manager, the CEO of the organization. And you have to hold everybody accountable, whether that's um, strength and conditioning, whether that's academics, whether that's, uh, you know, your managers, <laughs> your, your, your players, your staff, right? It's just as important. You got to coach your staff harder than you coach your players. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, you know, understanding all that, like there's, there's a lot of people all of a sudden that you're really managing mm-hmm. and a lot of different personalities and egos. And, yeah. and that, that is the, that, that is the accountability piece is extremely important. All right. You can't let anything, anything, slide yeah you cannot give an inch and that's on a day 365 days a year um 
And I, I would say that's number one, um, you know, with, with what I've kind of learned. Cause again, when you're an assistant, you're, you're not managing, you're not managing people yeah. <laughs> at the end of the day, you, you're doing your job, your responsibilities, you're coaching the players or you may have four players in your player group. Well, now when you're the head coach, you got 13 yeah, and you got a couple walk-ons and you got managers and you got, yep. you know, three assistants and support staff and academic advisors, and strength coach and trainer. And, and it, it, it's a lot. And yeah. I think, understand i didn't probably understand how much it was before until i was in it right um that piece of it because sometimes guys will say hey well head coaches get to they get to call the plays in the games or i mean that's just such a small part of it Mm -hmm. i mean it's the smallest i mean like the x's and o's sometimes you do less basketball when you're a head coach than when you're the assistant amen you know like amen and 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 you just constantly have to manage and, and hold people accountable i'd say that was by far clear number one um the number one thing for me that i learned uh during my four years there as xavier's head coach Mm -hmm. you uh you know you also had the opportunity to coach in in one of the best basketball conferences in in the country in the big east you know and, and there's been some really really good teams and and good programs uh some terrific coaches of course being here in omaha we got you know creighton and coach mcdermott yeah. and and you know you got marquette you've got you know just just on down the line and, and now yukon <laughs> and danny hurley and and national champions and so forth and so on you know uh kind of in that same in that same vein travis you know you know going uh you know, what did you learn from your peers in the Big East Conference and some of those folks as you as you as you went through this process of of kind of getting your feet wet at this level? Yeah, I think um, number one, man, you said it. The Big East is the best conference in the country, in my opinion. Yeah. The best basketball conference. Uh, it uh, elite players, elite coaches, um, elite programs. I mean, at high high level. Um, you know, I think every – you said this earlier about Kelvin Sampson. Every really good program has an identity. Mm-hmm. Every really good one does. Talk about Creighton, for example, like there with McDermott since you're right there in Omaha. You know, like the first thing that I think of with them is, man, they shoot a ton of threes. Yep. And guess what? They are going to play ridiculously fast. Mm-hmm. All right? They're, yeah. they're going to push the ball and misses and makes like none other. Mm-hmm. And I think like that's who they are year to year. That doesn't really change. Mm-hmm. Now their personnel may change, right? Yep. Like you know whether it's Ryan Kalkbrenner and then you have Doug McDermott and you get all these. Other, but like that piece, you know, a great McDermott team. Mm-hmm. You know, like so I'm just using them as an example. But every team, like UConn, Danny Hurley, you know they are going to crash the offensive glass. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> They're going to send five to the glass. It's going to feel like an avalanche every time yep. the ball gets thrown up on the rim. They play volleyball. Yep. And that is their identity. And and I think like having that understanding of every great program has an identity, whether it's good or bad. If you don't have one, it's a bad thing. Mm-hmm. It means you're you're kind of in no man's land. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And and I think in every program down the line where again, Villanova, I think the word I think of is discipline. 
you know, how they land on playoff at two feet, how they don't turn the ball over, mm-hmm. how they catch the shoot. They use shot fakes, pivots better than anybody in college basketball. Discipline mm-hmm. is what I think of when I think of Villanova, mm-hmm. you know, like when Jay was there. So, like, you know, again, I think I think those things, that really stood out to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the ones that can really have the culture piece, like I, I, having a close seat there to, to Villanova for a long time there while I was at Xavier, man, you just really um, admired what Jay Wright did. I mm-hmm. mean, like obviously he had great players and he's a terrific coach, but like he's a, his, he's a culture builder. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, it, and just how together they were and how they had no egos, it seemed like. And I'm sure everybody has issues, right? Like, to a certain yeah. degree. And there's some self, we're all selfish to a certain, innately a little bit, right? Um, but, like, how they would just put winning above all else. And, and man, how they would just really, really carry that the great teammates, man. I just, that was awesome to see and have a front seat to it and watch it because um, I'll never forget we were our first year in the Big East Mario, we were down in the Bahamas at the uh, Battle for Atlantis yep. and Villanova was in the same tournament yep. so and the reason that happened was we were just moved from the Atlantic 10 to Big East so yep. that how yep. that um, and I went to the championship game we went 0-3 by the way it was a bad <laughs> trip for us alright but but that's neither here nor there. I went to the championship game, Iowa versus Villanova. Okay. And they had just come off. They had been struggling the previous three years. And I'll never forget, man, they he uh, they took out uh, Javon Pinkston and Darren Hilliard, who were seniors, at the end of the game. And they went with Josh Hart and Chris Jenkins mm-hmm. as freshmen. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously good players as well, but they're yeah. freshmen. Yeah. Man, you couldn't – Darren Hilliard and Javon Pinkston – were incredible teammates the entire time on the bench, celebrating, you know, what was going on on the floor. They ended up winning, I believe, in overtime. But just like, again, a lot of times guys would be unhappy, yeah. right? That they're that they're over on the bench. Bad, I should, bad body senior. language. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was none of that, and I'll never forget. I told Chris Mack uh, on the way back, I was like, "Man, what they have is special." And then guess what? Then they go on this huge run over the next decade, yeah. right? Where they're just. Killing, killing the Big East, and and obviously winning national championships, and I think that culture was a big piece, big reason why. Mm-hmm. You, uh, you know, you were at Xavier for four years. Uh, you know, decided to move on. Uh, you know, all things considered, Travis, you had a pretty quick turnaround. You know, I think, uh, and I teach history, so excuse my math here, but I think it was about yeah. fifteen days uh, between <laughs> leaving Xavier and jumping in at at, at Miami. Um, you know, what was kind of the benefits to that? What was the, you know, uh, you know, you were at Xavier for a while, you know, about a decade, I yeah. think. And, 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 uh, you know, you know, two weeks later you go from, you know, kind of a deep blue to a bright red, uh, you know, so, so, you know, what was Nike some- to Adidas. <laughs> there, there you go. A whole new wardrobe. So, uh, you know, what were, what were some of that, the, the benefits for you, uh, in, in that kind of, you know, quick change from one school to the next? Yeah. Um, you know, I think, you know, like certain, certain guys like to take a year off. You see guys do that, mm-hmm. right? They'll, they'll, they may take a year off and, and, um, and then get back in or, or they may not get back in at that yeah. point, you know, depending upon what they want in their life. Um, you know, for me, I, 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 I was, uh, I, I, I felt energized. 
I felt good. And I told my wife this. My wife's my agent, Marty. So I don't have an agent, but she's my agent. She makes the decisions in our household. Um, and, you know, so, that's, you know, that's, that's, that's not uncommon. Uh, let's let's leave, leave it at that. So <laughs> Happy wife, happy life. Exactly. Right? Yep. Um, but, you know, some different schools were calling. And, and quite honestly, none of them really um, – really fit. And quite honestly, probably schools that you, a lot of people would consider bigger jobs uh-huh. than Miami, bigger conferences and stuff. But, you know, Miami came open and, and, and literally within five minutes of it coming open, David Saylor, the athletic director called me and, and said, Hey, would you have any interest in the job? And, uh, I said, let me talk it over obviously with my wife. And, and, and the reason we settled in on Miami was the brand Mm-hmm. You know, the, the, it's, a, it's an elite academic school. Um, it, the campus is just gorgeous. I mean, it, to me, it's the nicest college campus in the country. Mm-hmm. And then you got this great tradition in basketball, the all-time winningest program in the league, won more games, more championships, put more guys in the NBA than any other team. And, and it's in my wheelhouse, uh-huh. right? Like my wife's from Cincinnati. Okay. Um, her mom and dad live in Cincinnati, her brother. So it's like, man, like... I told her, I was like, man, it's a great opportunity to maybe kind of kind of make our own market a school sure. and try to build something there from the ground up. Because Miami hasn't been good in a while, right? Yeah. Like it's been since 07, since we've been in NCAA tournament and had some success. Mm-hmm. And so I looked at it as like, hey, it's a little bit of a rebuild, um, completely different approach than maybe what I'd had at Xavier. Um, and, uh, and that kind of excited me. And, you know, I thought it was good for me because, listen, I'm still married. I I think if I would have taken a year off, my wife would have got tired of me real quick. (laughs) I, I, you know, like we were sitting down there in Florida for a couple of weeks and it was like, hmm, I probably need to get to work. Um, (laughs) But uh, but it, it just fit. You know, and again, and I, and for me, I've never not been around a team mm-hmm. in my entire life. And it's like, man, what am I going to do? Um, you know, during this time. So, um, just really fortunate that, that things aligned and, and, and it worked out the way that it did. Mm-hmm. So, other than getting better players, which is obviously the, the cure for many, many things, but what's the, what's the plan to get the program back to where it was? Yeah, I, you know, I've kind of took this job with a year three approach. Mm-hmm. Every decision, I, if it doesn't positively impact year three, then I'm not doing it. Mm-hmm. There's no shortcuts. Yep. And, and uh, you know, so I, I think, number one, having that understanding that we, you may lose the battle, but we're going to – it's to win the war. We're going to try to win the war, right? Yep. Um, and uh, so just, you know, establishing the culture number one, uh, of what I believe in, our core values, recruiting to our core values, and recruiting talent, right, and yeah. guys that fit the university. They have to fit Miami. I think that's extremely important. And this is a unique university, great academic school, and like I, I, we have to get guys that fit. Um, and we have to recruit this little five-hour radius. There's good enough players within – a five-hour radius around Oxford, Ohio, to win championships. Um, there's no doubt about it. And, uh, you know, it, it's – and then we've kind of focused on the player development piece and can we be – you know, while everybody else is hitting this transfer portal, can we zig while everybody else is zagging a little bit, right? Like, mm-hmm. can we be committed to the development and crush that area and be better at the player development area than anybody else in the country? Mm-hmm. Whether that And that involves nutrition – how we how we uh, how we train in the weight room, how we train our guys uh, on the court, 
those are the that those are the things that we're focused on, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that I think will help us give us a long term success and sustainable success as well. Yeah. Want to know more about a pen and a napkin and all the resources it offers? Go to a pen and a a great resource for any coach at any level. In addition to our A Pen and a Napkin University video library options that are available to order, we have hundreds of pages of notes, from one-page handouts to book breakdowns to original coaching notes. We also have coaching links, a full catalog of every A Pen and a Napkin podcast, and ways to contribute to the growth of A Pen and a Napkin. A Pen and a Napkin.com is a coaching resource that will help you become a better coach. Travis, at this time, we uh, you know where we're going here. It's it's time for the John Wooden quote of the day here. Uh, so from Wooden, a lifetime of observations. I got a quote here for you. I'm going to read it, and, and then I'll uh, I'll let you react to it. So, uh, Coach, are you ready for the John Wooden quote of the day? I am. All right. So from page 30 of Wooden, a lifetime of observations, the Wooden quote of the day is, I probably have all the same faults anyone has, and so do you. There's nothing wrong with that. Having faults means you're human, alive, and breathing. There's nothing wrong with having faults so long as you work conscientiously to correct them. Love it. You know, again, I I think we all, I think understanding your weaknesses is so important. I really do like no having self awareness, mm-hmm. <laughs> which which is I think sometimes hard, right? We oh, all got to yeah. look ourselves in the mirror and say, "Hey, listen, I don't do this very well," and you got to know that going into every day and attack that, mm-hmm. right? Uh, rather than trying to say, "Well, hey, I'm Mister Perfect, I'm I'm great at everything," and and avoiding it because then it really hurts. You. Yeah, because <laughs> oh, yeah. everybody, like you said, has faults. Yeah, well, and and it's and it's hard to say. I'm not good at this, or this is something I struggle with. And and to admit that you are weak or imperfect, you know, a lot of people struggle with that, whereas, and, and even if it is a weakness, it's probably never going to be a strength, but at least you can mitigate that weakness and not have it be such a big weakness if you work at it while also emphasizing the things that you are good at. And I think that's where, that's, you know, something that people forget in that process, in my opinion, anyway, you know, I a hundred percent agree. Yeah. I a hundred percent agree. You know, one of the things that I think has kind of switched my career gears around a little bit is, you know, oftentimes we look at a kid and go, well, Billy can't do the, he doesn't rebound very well. He's got to work on his left hand. He's got a, you know, he doesn't shoot well off the dribble and you can find 10 things wrong with him. Uh, you know, and then we want to fix all 10 of those weaknesses and then forget about what he's doing well, you know, and I kind of went with the Mike neighbors. Let's really emphasize their strengths. Let's really focus on one weakness and really work on that one weakness in the off season and see if we can make that better, you know, and, and I think that kind of, that goes along with that wooden quote there. You're going to have faults work to correct them, but then I'll, you know, I would love to see, you know, Hey, yeah, I know it's there. I know I got to work on it, but also I've got strengths too. And I need to remember I've got strengths as well. Absolutely. No, again, self-awareness is so important in life (laughs) and understanding who you are. And it's the same thing as like a player on the floor, right? Guys that can't shoot, I don't want them shooting, right? Like, (laughs) you know, like understand who you are and understand who your teammates are. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, Yeah, you're right. To make us all look good. Yeah. 
Well, well, I was open. Well, you're always open. There's a reason why they keep leaving you open. <laughs> you know, so uh, this is this is where we need you to do play to this strength. Go be the go be a great screener. That shot goes up from somebody else. Go crash those offensive boards and get us putbacks. You know, things like that, and play to those strengths. So, um, Travis, want to pick your mind on a few X's and O's things here. We got about 15 minutes left. Uh, let's talk a little, we, we haven't talked about this on the pod in a while. Let's talk about some out of bounds situations, uh, baseline out of bounds, yeah. sideline out of bounds plays. Um, let's, let's dive in there. What's your philosophy? Uh, let's start on offense and then, and then we'll go into to, to the defensive side of things. Uh, but let's start on offense. What do you like to do with your, with your, you know, we'll call it special teams type of stuff on those blobs and slobs. Yeah, we we track it through every game and after every game, and we take a lot of pride in winning the special special teams mm-hmm. uh, war. Um, you know, I think offensively, you know, obviously, you know, we we like to have two different uh, for like baseline out of bounds, for example. Usually, we'll have two different alignments, and then we'll have different plays out of those alignments, right? So it's mm-hmm. harder to scout. Yep. Um, and then what we do, Marty, is we actually instead of making the call. So say it's stack one or stack two, which is the same alignment. Stack tells you the alignment, and then the second, the number tells you the play. Mm-hmm. So if we have flat one or flat two, flat's the alignment, then one's the play, then two is the play. Yeah. Um, and But what we do instead of calling it out to so make it harder to scout is we actually put a card in our guy's shorts that's sewn into our guy's shorts or waistband, and I'll and I change it every game. So I play number one on that card, maybe flat one. Play number two, maybe stack five. So our guys will look and we'll say, hey, play number four. They'll look in their shorts. Boom. Then we're going to run that play. So it's harder to scout. Um, wow. You know, I think the other thing, man, is having oh, 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 Hold on a second, like, Travis. Where'd you get that idea from? You know, we started doing it as Xavier just because scouting, like Creighton, for example, McDermott's all over every call. <laughs> and it's like, golly, man, like, um, we just wanted to find a way to be able to get, again, sure. it's all about, you know, yeah, just winning anything, on the margins. anything. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now, the other thing is, is I always say the pre-looks are important with inbounding right like so we never allow our inbounder to obviously step out of bounds until everybody's in their in in their spots mm-hmm. right because the referee's not going to hand the ball to you while you're on the <laughs> on the playing court yeah. um and then we always look for pre-reads before we run the play so before we slap the ball marty we're looking at can we call we call it ear touch you know so like can we hit a guy for a layup or a weak side corner three because guy the defense isn't ready Mm-hmm. Right. So when we slap the ball, that's when the play starts. Mm-hmm. So before, but when our inbounder has it until then, nobody, until he slaps the ball, nobody's moving. Cause we want to be all on the same page. We may try to get a, like a quick layup or a quick weak side three or whatever it might be um, before the play actually happens. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and then sideline out of bounds, man, we're trying to score. Like we'll have different ones. We'll have obviously same alignment, we try to do, we do one alignment on sideline out of bounds. Um, and we'll have about five different plays, mm-hmm. you know, uh, I always say the play one is like, for example, box one box is the alignment. One is the play. One means it's probably going to be for our point guard mm-hmm. box twos for our two box threes <laughs> for our three, you know, just so they each have a play. Yeah. Okay. You know, call, mm-hmm. and it makes them feel good. Yeah. I think that's important. Um, and then, you know, again, like we're trying to score. And I want to try to score off our sideline out of bounds. And then we'll have a short shot clock, you know, versus obviously, you know, longer shot clock plays and different things like that as well. Mm -hmm. How much time 
uh, on average do you spend on your your special team stuff in practice? A lot, you know. Like I, you know, I, I guess it's all relative what what a lot means to you. But like sure. we, the thing that I love to do is obviously you should always five on zero. But I think the other thing you should do is you got to go live. So we'll, like I started doing this probably three years ago. We started doing. ODO, which is basically when five on five, good versus good, and white team starts on offense and then obviously goes back on defense and then they push it back on offense. Well, we'd always done it like starting with a man set or something along those lines and in the half court. Well, what we started doing more of is let's start with a baseline out of bounds, right? Or a sideline out of bounds. And we'd never really done that. And I think that really helped our efficiency levels go up because now we're practicing them more during practice live rather than just also five on on it. What about defending out of bounds plays? What's kind of your, how's your philosophy evolved there? Yeah. So it's, it's kind of changed over the years, man. It's, it's, um, we want to create turnovers. Mm-hmm. All right. So we want to be different. I don't want to just be vanilla on sideline out of bounds or baseline out of bounds and just kind of take punches. We want to make them react to us. Um, so for example, on the baseline out of bounds, we may put a big on the ball and switch all screens and be extremely physical. Mm-hmm. And we're trying to, we're trying to get a five count or we're trying to get a deflection steal so we can score off of our defense. Same thing. Sideline out of bounds. We'll put a big on the ball, jumping Jack all over the ball, switch all screens. And to try to be really physical again to try to get a five count deflection or steal. And I think what we do is, and I've learned this kind of last, we did this last year, is sometimes we would do that, sometimes we'd be normal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so teams wouldn't know what to really, really run. Because yeah. they would come into a game saying, hey, we need to have a package to get the ball, make sure they just get the ball in bounds against Miami. Well, you don't know what we're in. Yeah. So I'm going to make that call, you know, kind of last second so that you can't, you can't react to what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a question and now it slipped my mind. Do you, oh, do you, uh, do you ever uh, do any zone stuff on your, on your out of bounds stuff? We do. Def- defensively? You know, so- yeah, no, we do. Like, especially like sideline out of bounds. Like, we'll, we'll sometimes just go straight two, three. Um, sometimes we'll go, uh, what I call diamond. Yeah. So this one really creates a lot of turnovers. Like, so you put a, I put our four man on the ball. Our five will be at the rim and then we'll have our other three players kind of form the diamond. Oh, okay. So we'll, we'll, what we'll do is you see Gary, Gary Williams used to do it at Maryland a long time ago. Mm-hmm. And it's unique because it's on the side. Most, you know, you see diamond press, you know, that's full court, you know, on, on the baseline. Um, but very few teams do it on the sideline. So we'll get a trap right away too. If we, if they get it in, then we'll get a trap immediately, which kind of surprises teams. Mm-hmm. And you, a lot of, you get, you create a lot of turnovers off of that. So we like to change up our defenses. Like I said, like what I call madman which is the five on the ball and we switch all screens. Sometimes we'll go diamond. Sometimes we'll just go straight man, you know, like just to give them different looks. Mm-hmm. Coaches, do you want to look good? Pfft, stupid question. Of course you want to look good. We all want to look good. You know, what's the best way to look good? Buying yourself some, a pen and a napkin merchandise. We've got some really, really good looking stuff here. We've got t-shirts and sweatshirts, and you are not going to regret picking that up. T-shirts are $22 a piece. 
Sweatshirts are $30 a piece. If I need to mail it to you, it's just $5 shipping and handling to get this good-looking stuff out to you. Coaches, I appreciate all that you've done for me over the last three years or so with a pen and a napkin. I hope I've been able to help you out. Might as well come out and help out the Twitter handle and the podcast by ordering some a pen and a napkin merchandise. And like I said, you get to look good. If you're interested in ordering, you can DM me on Twitter at a pen and a napkin, send me a direct message, or you can email me a pen and a napkin at gmail.com, and I'll get you those ordering details so that you can order some a pen and a napkin merchandise. We got about 10 minutes left, Coach. Uh, I, I got three things I want to talk about with you, but I don't know if we'll have enough time to do all of them. Uh, offensive philosophy, defensive transition, and player development. W- which one do you want yeah. to go into? You tell me more. I, I can do any of them. God, that's too much pressure, Travis. Uh, <laughs> uh, let's talk transition D. We talked some offense. We talked some special teams, a yeah. little more offensive stuff. So let's at least get a little bit of defensive stuff here, and then let's talk a yeah. little player development. Let's hit those last two, if that's yeah. cool with you, man. That's fine. All right, so let's talk a little. Let's let's spend five, six minutes on transition D. Sounds good. Let it rip. Yeah, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. What do you, right, so what, I, what do you I would say on? number one, I would say number one, you got to decide what how you're going to balance the floor, right? Like how many guys are you crashing? How many guys do you have getting back? Mm-hmm. And for, for, for me, you know, like some teams will send, some really good teams will send three guys back and only two to the offensive glass. A lot of times you see that in the NBA too, mm-hmm. right? A lot of the NBA teams – are uh, are doing that nowadays? Like they don't even crash the glass. Yep. It, um, they don't even crash the glass. They just they just get back, right? Yep. And and uh, and I think I think for me, we need extra possessions. <laughs> this is probably coming from my Kelvin Sampson days at Indiana. Yep. Um, we send four to the glass. And to me, in transition defense, is you can't be in no man's land. Either you need to be back, or you need to be crashing. Mm-hmm. Because if you allow a guy to get a clean rebound, man, it, the, like Creighton, for example, I was good friends with their assistant coach, Alan Huss, for a long time. He said, man, we always had a hard time pushing it on you guys and Xavier because you guys would send four to the glass. He said other teams would send three guys back and be so worried. And they, they would be so worried about the uh, getting back that they would end up getting clean rebounds and they could really push the ball. Yeah. So even if you don't get the offensive rebound, make a guy, you get a hand on it. Can you get a deflection to buy us a second or two? Mm-hmm. Right. Now we send one guy back. Now his rule is very simple. He goes to the top of the key three point line mm-hmm. in case we get an offensive rebound. Now if, if the guy, if there's, but he can't allow any players behind him. Mm-hmm. So he has to go back as far as, as need be. Mm-hmm. We go to the rule. Again, you see some teams will go, hey, halfback, fullback, two guys back. The halfback always stops the ball. I don't care about matchups and mm-hmm. transition. You don't have your matchup. It's just can we can we get our get our defense set? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't want them to score in, in scramble situations or get wide open layups or wide open threes. So closest man to the ball stops the ball. Mm-hmm. So even if Marty, I, as I, I know that I'm the closest man to the yeah. I'm calling out the ball though loud, and I'm putting my hands in the air, letting everybody know who has the ball. We got to get the ball stopped. The ball is what scores. Mm-hmm. Now, as the ball's being being pushed in transition, 
we have to sprint ahead and we have to build walls around the ball. I don't want the ball to see any space. Mm-hmm. We are going to protect the rim first and foremost in our defense. We, we say no paint. That's our goal. Yep. We want we want to basically have a force field around that paint at, at all costs. And so we're going to try to build walls around the ball. We're going to try to declare a help side, ball side uh, as, as we're sprinting back in. Now, listen, I, I said this earlier. I don't care about matchups. But now can, if we can switch back when it's convenient, I would love to do that. Because mm-hmm. we may have bigs on littles. We may have littles on bigs. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I really – I don't care. And you have to have an awareness in transition – because the things are happening so fast. Who's stopping the ball? Who's getting posted up? Is there a mismatch? Do I need to help? You know, like you're, you're constantly thinking about who, who's on your team and who are they, who do they have and what are they trying to exploit? Yeah. But I, I think the first three steps in transition are critically important. It's like whether you missed a shot or whether you turned it over, man, you can't hang your head. You got to go next play and you got to win that first three steps. Yeah, I, I really, you know, I agree with you there. A, a, a mismatch is better than no match. And, yeah. and you know, sometimes we, as coaches, we get so wrapped up in, well, you know, we're mismatched and, and all this other stuff. Well, you, know, you, you even watch an NBA game, even when they do have a mismatch, it, it takes the best players in the world usually an extended amount of time to get the ball exactly where they want to go and those are the best players in the world let alone college players let alone most of the folks that are going to be listening to this are going to be high school coaches you know so just get matched up and then try to figure it out after that but don't get so caught up in the well i'm not matched up to my person just find somebody and then we'll figure it out as we go along i i that's something i've definitely fallen into travis yeah i I think just don't you don't want to give up open shots you don't want to give up layups Yep. End of the day, I mean, like, like you said, like the NBA has the best players in the world, and it's still a hard shot, man. Those guys make tough shots, mm-hmm. and and uh, but you can you're playing the numbers game, yep, right? Like that's all it is, and and uh, we 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 take a lot of pro- we start transition defense in the summer, like right now. Mm-hmm. We're working on trans because it's so important. Mm-hmm. It's everything, you know. Can you keep teams out of that first four to five seconds of the shot clock and and make them work? Yeah. Um, then those, as you know, the the points per possession really starts to go down. Yep, absolutely, absolutely. You got two minutes on player development, Travis. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what, what what are you guys emphasizing? What are you working on here? Give us give us the sixty four thousand foot view. Yeah, I think I think number one, it's not a one size fits all approach. Um, it's very individualized. Each guy on our team has a plan, a specific plan for themselves. We have an overall blueprint, but then when I get what I do is I give guys areas of focus every month, every month. And those are because I think if you try to do everything, you're not really getting better at anything. Yeah. You know, like so, like for example, you know, we'll have guys. A lot of times, we'll we canned development's huge for me huge mm-hmm. right like you know can can we get guys just to be just as good finishing dribbling passing with their offhand we try we work on that every day every single day uh, with our guys because ultimately if you got a guy that can shoot drive left and drive right man you got a really good player mm-hmm. uh, you know it, it, that's hard to guard um number two is shooting we coach the heck out of shooting Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm not afraid to change a guy's form at all. Um, each guy's shots different. 
right? You know, so like it, you know, but, and I think there needs to be only one voice and we all have to be on the same page on what we're trying to get done with that shot. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, whether it's, you know, cause a lot of times guys would love to work with the feet and which footwork's extremely important. We all know that that's probably the key to basketball. But like when you talk about the jump shot, I think, you know, working on the, on, on the finish, working on the middle part of the, of the shot's really important as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right. Like yeah. keeping it on the right side, you know, the correct side of your body, keeping your elbow in line to everything. I think all that's extremely important. There's a couple little points that we really try to hit with our shooting, um, um, you know, we work a lot in ball screens as well because that's our offense. You know, you know, like we, we we need multiple guys that can use them. And when I say use ball screens, I'm, I'm obviously scoring out of them, but just understanding how to pass, you know, like can you pass at a, at a pick and roll and make guys better? Can you make all the passes, hit the roll guy, hit the opposite corner skip, you know, be able to understand your pre-reads against in ball screen offense versus the after using the screen. Um, there's a lot of things you can do when you when you play against a really good player that's in pick and roll. It's a good guy, man. <laughs> I, I don't really don't have an answer defensively. I mean, you really don't. Like I, I don't know what you do yeah. um, if they are, if understand how to defeat that that ball screen coverage. Give them solutions. Yeah, yeah. Just just hope and pray they miss. That's what you hope for. That's you exactly know? right. So, sometimes that's what it comes down to. So it's a, all, all this all this stuff we've talked about for 45, 46 minutes. It's like yeah, just just please miss. Just, just please, please miss. So, oh, Travis Steele, uh, head men's basketball coach at Miami of Ohio University. Coach, if if folks want to know more about you, about your program, where can they find stuff about it? Yeah, I'd say on the website, you know, like they uh, are my our Miami University athletics website's really, really sharp and really good. Um, we do a co- we do Zoom uh, coaching clinics as well. Oh, cool. like in, in uh, not every month, but kind of quarterly, we'll do them with our staff. Um, which again, Carl Richburg. If I'm going to give you his email, it's Carl C A R L dot Richburg, which is R I C H B is in boy. U-R-G at Miami O-H dot E-D-U is his email. Just email him and he'll get you get anybody that wants to get on the Zoom calls. But we cover different things, whether it's offense, defense, you know, special teams, uh, just different philosophies and things and um, just trying to share the game and, and share our brand uh, with as many people as possible. Great, awesome stuff. I'm gonna, I'm, you know, I'm gonna get signed up for that, you know, and and uh, uh, check that out myself. So, uh, Travis, thanks so much for your time today. I really appreciate it, and and uh, I hope you've uh, enjoyed your maiden voyage here on a pen and a napkin. You know what? I survived. <laughs> Marty, no, I, listen, we, I appreciate it, and I appreciate what you're doing uh, for everybody, man. Growing the game. Uh, it's awesome, man. So I'm an avid listener. So I, uh, so I, this is an honor to be be on here. Greatly appreciated, Travis. It's 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 uh, been great to talk with you. I I, I believe I, I caught a couple of your uh, Xavier games when uh, here in, in Omaha when you were playing Coach Mack and the fellows here. So I've yeah. I've always admired you from afar as well. Thought you did some really really good things, and uh, you know I'm just excited to see what you do at Miami. So uh, looking forward to it. So uh, let's stay in touch here. Uh, as we move on. So uh, if you could hold the line a second here, uh, Coach, 
Uh, again, yeah. uh, Travis Steele, head men's basketball coach at Miami of Ohio. I want to thank him for his time today. Uh, again, we want to thank our founding sponsor, COSAC Chiropractic. Uh, if, you, if you're in any need of any chiropractic services from Dr. Kevin or Dr. Heidi, give them a call, 402-964-0300. Follow us on Twitter, at a pen and a napkin. Download, rate, and review this great podcast, great discussion here for the last 50 minutes or so. Questions, comments, suggestions, or ideas, email me, a pen and a napkin at gmail.com, and go check out a pen and a napkin. Dot com. Uh, episode number 182. It's been a great uh, discussion with Coach Steele here this morning. I hope you've enjoyed it, coaches. I know I surely have. So, coaches, as always, let's be sure to hone our craft one day. <laughs>